Hi, everyone. In a moment, you're going to get to listen to episode three. But before that, I wanted to take a moment to point out that while we are all highly educated hosts of this podcast, none of us are educated in sound engineering. So my microphone had some issues during this podcast, and it's going to sound like I'm very far away because we amplified uh, how I was picked up by other people to compensate for my own errors in recording. So uh, please enjoy episode three. Uh, Forgive me for my mistakes and continue to listen for next time when hopefully that will be fixed. Zach out. Welcome to Surviving Academia, a podcast about the wild world of the academy. Each episode, we talk about trying to make it work and share self-care techniques to make every day a little bit more survivable. Hey everyone, we're the Didactic Trio. My name is Zach and I am an adjunct professor. (laughs) My name is Rachel and I'm a postdoctoral fellow. And I'm Kristen and I'm finishing my PhD. Very important, very important to do that. Um, so our show doesn't have any sponsors as of yet. Uh, therefore, at the beginning of every show, we make up our own sponsors. <laughs> and this episode is brought to you by the month of July. July has so much promise of accomplishing tasks and preparing for the academic year ahead, but it seems to fly by. It's everyone's favorite month because everyone wants another one. Don't you wish you had another July? Thank you, Zach. (laughs) And as a reminder, we are on social media. So be sure to visit our website at survivingacademiapodcast.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at survivingphd and Instagram at survivingacademia. We're now on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. So please like and subscribe to hear more from us, the Didactic Trio. So guys, uh, in honor of the summer coming to an end... And in honor of the new academic semester starting soon for many of us in August (laughs) and early September, I thought we could do an episode on what we wish we knew when we got to grad school um, for in honor of all of the new grad babies who will be starting this fall. Presh. I know. (laughs) With their bright eyed and excited for what's ahead, and they don't know what's ahead, <laughs> <laughs> and and they should be excited. But at the same time, it's we all know grad school is not quite easy, and academia in general is not quite easy. So I thought we could give them some guidance from two people who have finished and one who is in her final year. We hope. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> about to get her terminal degree. Her terminal <laughs> degree. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll go first since you guys are picking on me. So the two things I wish I knew was one, I wish that I knew that your life at times feels like it stops. So that's been kind of the, I think, hardest thing for me personally is that, you know, it seems like I'm out here, I'm away from family and their lives are all moving and they're getting married and having babies and having birthdays and anniversaries and things I'm supposed to, I'm expected to go to. Mm -hmm. But my life feels like, I'm like stopped and in this like, like, and that's been difficult. I think I'm in this like black hole out here. I can totally uh, see that and relate to that. Uh, Especially I've decided to get married after I finished my PhD. So I'm getting married this November. Um, 
but we that means we had a longer engagement than many people and people would be like well, when are you getting married that's so far away like well you know because life does feel like it stops a little bit in academia yeah and i know people who have become parents gotten married and become parents in academia mm-hmm. and i don't know how they do it but i can like i can understand wanting to put off a lot of those major life events until mm-hmm. the, until the phd is done Kristen, how do you how do you suggest or how have you thought about coping with the sort of like life tunneling that happens? Um, like, do you just kind of grin and bear it, or do you you do you have to just be more selective about the like major life events that you go to for 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 friends and family? So I think this bleeds into perfectly into my number two one. Mm-hmm. So it's also the importance of your cohort. And I luckily have come in with a group of people that I really like and we all get along really well. And I think it's twofold. It's on one side, knowing that there's people who are going through the exact same thing as me and I can kind of go to and talk to and, you know, they're there for the day to day. They're there for the late night paper stuff. I'm freaking out who has this book from the library. They're there for that kind of stuff. And so I just kind of had to make a just focus on myself and what I'm doing and just sort of tell people no, which is difficult. And I, you know, I try to connect as much as I can on social media and I try to keep up to date, but, um, you know, just kind of explaining to the friend, the friends that you have from back home will stay there, but it it is difficult kind of missing people's big events. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's definitely difficult. And I think it's also reminding people that life doesn't actually stop that your life yes. is continuing and you're accomplishing something and that people do many things while they're in graduate school. And though it, it seems that we're in this kind of bubble of like time has paused before you get to this giant accomplishment at the end, but your life isn't stopped. It's, it keeps going. Yeah. And another PhD uh, student who's, I guess she's not a student anymore. She's had a PhD for quite a while, had said the opposite will happen will happen once I'm finished, that it'll feel like for other people that now that I've got this PhD and have moved on, that somehow I've like slingshot farther ahead of people because they'll look back and think, oh, well, she was getting this degree while I was doing X, Y, Z. So it's like, you know, a give and a take. And I'm in definitely the take, I suppose. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I can speak to that as someone, and Rachel, you also, we both got our PhDs very recently, but I just had so many people talking to me about, like, this big accomplishment that it is, and we'll probably do an episode on imposter syndrome in the near future, but we I, feel will. Like, I feel like, you know, other people are accomplishing other things, and I'm accomplishing this, and it just doesn't feel as big as maybe perhaps other people see it. Yeah. Um, so... You've been pushing this rock up a hill. Yeah, I've been pushing a rock up a hill, but other people are pushing other rocks up a hill. Mm -hmm. So maybe maybe it's just important to see it for the accomplishment that it is rather Mm -hmm. than comparing yourself to the people that are getting married and and having babies because they're not in grad school and, you know, they're picking that stress over the Mm -hmm. stress of grad school. And I think ultimately there isn't a good time to do anything ever. So, you know, you have to continue with your life and live it the way that you want to and the way that's going to fulfill you while you're in grad school or not. Yeah, that's you know? why I'm glad I have good people and yeah, and such. What about you guys? Well, you mentioned cohort, and so that led me to one of the things that I wish I knew and remembered is that you're not alone in this process because grad school can feel so isolating because you know, you're becoming an expert in something that maybe only a couple other people will ever really be an expert in. Um, and it can feel really lonely 
especially when you first get to grad school. Sometimes if you're moving across the country or even if you're moving to a different institution in a city you may know, it's a kind of isolating experience because you're trying to learn a lot about the institution and your community and your department all at one time while you're trying to balance classes. Um, it can it can feel like you just want to focus on the work and to not pull yourself away from the book or the computer or the writing or whatever you're doing. Um, so I think it's been really important to remember that you're not alone, that there are hundreds of people who are surrounding you, um, even if you have a small department and you may only have 20 people around you, um, that many have come before you and many will come after. And there are lots and lots of people who want to help you. Mm-hmm. And um, please accept that help right and, and know that that's okay if someone says hey come on over for dinner and you say well I have a paper to do that night go for dinner first and then so you don't because you don't have to do the dishes later and then go home and write your paper I definitely sought out older graduate students just yeah. for like the little stuff like hey what did I asked them like what did you guys wish you guys knew or how how did you plan out your lives and what is your advice for the department because you just don't know the department politics mm-hmm. every department has politics but you just don't know the ins and outs of stuff like that until, you know, you ask someone. So definitely seek out older graduate students. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I mean, so both of us are in small to medium departments. You know, Rachel, your department, you said it's about 20. And I think Kristen and I, our department had 50 to 60 throughout throughout most of our time there. Mm-hmm. But some, some departments are like 100 or 200. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that makes it even more important that you are proactive in finding other people that, Mm -hmm. you know, you, that group doesn't just coalesce because, you know, you come in in a cohort of six to 10, if you come in a, into, in a cohort of 30, you'll have to be more proactive in building those bonds. Mm -hmm. And those bonds don't just have to be your cohort. They could be anyone in the community. So, um, you're not alone as in there are people outside of the university or institution where you currently are, Um, like church groups or not-for-profit organizations that take volunteers or the animal shelter. You know, there's lots of places to get involved um, and to remind you constantly that you're you're not alone, that there is a breadth of people around you um, who want to love you and support you and help you get through this so you can live the life that you want to live and be happy while you're in grad school. Because I know sometimes uh, we talk a lot about how grad school can be really tough um, my other one then is to not sacrifice time for the things you like to do. And that I see these as like kind of going together because it's really, really easy to make excuses for, oh, I can't go out because I have this to do or I have so much work to do. So you put all your hobbies or maybe the things that you love to, by the wayside. And I, I started to do that a lot my first year. Um, and like one of the things I really like to do is knitting. I really like to knit and crochet in front of the TV because I have a hard time not doing anything and just truly relaxing with nothing in my hands. So, um, yeah, I just make time to do things that make you happy and that make your heart sing because that is so important for mental health and it's going to end up making you more productive because you're not going to um, kind of just – it. sometimes you get in the monotony of working and then are you actually working, right? We're just looking right. at the computer. It's, it's very <laughs> difficult to be – a complete and a whole person like sometimes the you know being an academic can swallow you whole and so it's important I, I agree to take that time to like do things that that add depth to your your life mm-hmm. to, 
and this this is going to be a little self-serving but uh i i struggle i've struggled a lot with dating in grad school because at a certain point like i don't have anything interesting to talk about because i just gotta just talk about my research <laughs> you want to <laughs> hear people, about my like, study <laughs> people want to talk about other things so yeah you know if you want if you want like taking the time to to mm-hmm. add depth to to your to your life and to uh, your experience will will come to benefit you in other ways i think and not mm-hmm. just the dating example i'm sure there's many other ways oh there are yeah yeah i struggled with guilt so one of my favorite things to do would be to go to starbucks and read like a novel on sunday and now it feels like god i'm reading all the time um and it felt like really dis um and genuine just like reading a not like what you need to be reading like your research i've got all these books to read and so i started a feminist book club about a year and a half ago uh, to just to kind of connect with people outside the university, mainly because it's like, oh, I just noticed that everybody is, you know, other students, which are great, but then they're leaving, like, you know, Zach's leaving soon, other people in my life are leaving. And it's like, oh, I need like to create a little bit more of a community here. And so it's great because it's offers an accountability. I get to read some of the books I like. I get to talk to some of these women in the community who have all these different life experiences. And that's been really helpful, I think, for me to kind of get back into stuff I really like to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reading is definitely something I have started again now that the dissertation is and the degree is conferred. Um, I read all the time now, and it I love it. You, it reminds you why you got into being an academic in the first place. Yep. The place was you liked knowledge and, mm-hmm. and reading and it becomes unfun for a while, but it can be fun again. It can be. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think for, for me, you all covered a lot of what, what I would have said, too. So I'm going to take what you said about, you know, getting involved in the, your cohort and your department and reaching out to people in your community and your university or, or college and getting to know people there. And my, my advice was more about networking in a broader sense in the field. Um, I think a lot of people who get into academia are shy or introverted, and that's very a very like sweeping, you know, sort of characterization that's not true at all. The three of us sitting here are probably huge extroverts and not shy in the slightest, but we're all shy about about things that seem like large mountains. And um, there's really never any harm in if you want advice, if you want to make a connection, to just reach out and send out an email. Uh, to someone in your field whose work interests you, start a conversation with them. Um, there's it. It may not lead to you getting a job, but maybe they would be interested in co-authoring a paper with you. Mm-hmm. Go to go to presentations at conferences that are outside of your interest or are inside of your interest, and introduce yourself to the one of the presenters at the end. It's it's scary. Um, it was scary the first couple of times I did it, but I think, you know, that sort of intangible sort of building of, of a social network will, will really benefit you in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, take risks. Don't be afraid of taking risks. Yeah. I think I get caught up on the word networking because it just feels like disingenuine to me. Yeah, It I- feels like like not a real relationship and I think once I kind of just start small like start with people that you know and people that you're presenting with on different panels um I don't know yeah I presented Mm -hmm. with uh uh, on a panel with someone three years ago and then this past year I asked them to be on a panel with me so Mm -hmm. you know it's it's a connection that I, I could really build and of course we'll probably 
start tapping some of those connections to be guests on our on our show later on, right? Oh yeah, and I mean networking is just you can start talking to anyone at a conference because conferences are kind of difficult for a lot of people because they can be very overwhelming, and so. You know, I like your idea of starting small, Kristen, of just mm-hmm. starting with the people around you and maybe asking a fellow panelist if they want to, in a couple of years, do something again with a paper. Um, it doesn't have to be that you have to go to every event and shake everyone's hand and get everyone to know your name right away with your first conference. As a graduate student, when you're starting, sometimes the, it's really intimidating to submit that first paper to a conference. Then, oh my gosh, I got accepted, and now I actually have to do something about it, right? Right. And you have to go and all of the. It seems like everyone knows each other already, right? And you know, how do I break into this? Well, it's just introducing yourself, reading other people's work, and just talking to them about it. I love when people ask me about my research at conferences now, right? Right. Right. And I'm like, so I'm like, I can imagine other people would like to be asked questions about theirs too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, and you know, there's, I mean, there's, there's, it doesn't just have to be academic stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you, you meet people uh, by being social, and then all of a sudden one day they're like, "Hey, Zach, do you want to do a podcast with us?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And bada bing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the other, the other uh, uh, sort of thing I wanted to talk about was we've been building up up about like you should do this you should do that you should go out and talk to these people and talk to those people and volunteer for this and get involved in that on top of your lo- your your workload already and the, i think the other thing that i thought was really important for this episode was how to say no um, and sometimes that will be saying no to the workload sometimes that will be saying no to socializing um, Sometimes that'll be no to service obligations because there's always, always more that needs to be done, um, whether it's in the department, the university, uh, your subfield, you know, you know, uh, independent uh, conferences and organizations and stuff. And you need to cultivate the art of saying no when it is important to you. Yeah, and that's really, really hard because um, it's balancing between thing, you know, the idea of this would look really great on my CV or this would be a great networking opportunity. But you have to really look at your plate and see how much you can handle. Yeah, it's hard to say no to stuff you want to do. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest thing. It's like, I, I mean, I always want to hang out with my friends. So when I started like for real writing my dissertation, it's kind of like, don't make me feel bad about it because I want to. I like really want to, ha- that's what I want to do. Give me any excuse not to write and I'll do it. So mm-hmm. it's just really important to me that I focus on what I'm doing and just to kind of be honest with people. And some people, I mean, honestly, some people don't get it and that's fine. Yeah, but you have to know what you can handle and that takes a little while to learn. I know I got to a point where I was had a couple years ago, I had way too much on my plate and I had to drop things and uh, I've gotten, I was then forced to learn how to say no. And it was probably the best uh, forced learning experience ever because uh, now I have a more realistic idea of what I can actually take on. And I still say yes to the things that I really, really want to do. And I know that that's kind of one of my weaknesses is I always say yes. And as a woman, I'm even probably even more prone to say yes to things. Totally. You know, we're not really taught how to say no. Mm-hmm. We're not encouraged to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's research on that. Um, <laughs> but 
it's how do we how do you prioritize and and when you're starting off as a grad student when you're starting off it's really really hard to know what those priorities are and how to arrange things and so it's funny that we we just got told got done telling everyone what they should do and now we're telling them they know everything well and it's you know the part of saying no is 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 a skill that you cultivate part of it's an art like you're not going to know right away Mm -hmm. one thing you can do also for that is straight up if someone asks you to do something say what's the time commitment Oh yeah. How much, how much am I going to be like, is this going to be a 10 hour a week thing? Is it going to be a 10 hour a semester thing? Tell me straight up and I will, and that will, you know, influence my decision and don't lie to me because then I'll, then I'll drop out because you lied to me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I I don't think that's happened to me, but people are usually pretty earnest about the time commitment. Yeah. But starting grad school can be just really overwhelming in general. And I think it's important to recognize that you're not just coming in and starting a new program, but for many grad students, they are starting in new cities and new communities. Um, so we talked a little about getting to know your cohort and your department, mm-hmm. um, but also getting to know an institution right away can be really overwhelming. And then learning how to navigate your new community can be incredible. Like, Kristen, we were talking earlier about how sometimes it's even hard to find the grocery store where you oh, can get all your groceries when you first move to new place for grad school, right? Right, yeah, exactly. You your favorite coffee, like which store carries your favorite coffee, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's nothing more annoying than like getting to a new place and just like having to buy like the basics. Like you just need to run in and get some toilet paper, <laughs> some soap. And then like $200 later, you get your basics. Yeah. Right? That or just like having no idea where stuff is. Walgreens, I find out is always your friend. They're small enough. You can like get to around the store quick. That's mm-hmm. they're not, <laughs> they're not sponsored by us. But <laughs> Although Walgreens, if you want to reach out, we can say more nice things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, but it's that that recognition that it is a transition process and it's okay to continue to learn. You don't have to know everything about grad school in the first two weeks that you're here. Right, right. And I mean, I did my master's and my PhD at the same university in different departments, but even that transition was, was was a transition. It was a building a block away, but it's an entirely different culture. I remember being at a dissertation defense in my first semester and where in my previous department, the public asks questions first. In this department, uh, the professors ask questions before the general public. And so I stood, I raised my hand to ask a question. I got death stares. Oh, not, wow. not terrible death. I just felt like death stares. People in our department don't really give death stares. But <laughs> I, got, I got a little like, like some salty looks. Some salty looks. <laughs> Just learning those differences and like adapting to this whole new culture of mm-hmm. people, even though I was already in the town that I knew and in the university I knew, it was it was an adapting experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zach was one of the first people I met outside of my cohort, and he knows like everything. Like he's been here for so long, so it's like I need to make an eye doctor appointment. Who like Zach always knows where to stuff, so he's been like a good resource. He's always a good resource for new students. Well, now you got to turn around and do that because I'm, I'm <laughs> I yeah, you'll have to be that Yoda. Speaking of resources, yes. So all of us prepared a couple of resources that we want to share this week. And so Zach, do you want to go first? Yeah. So these are just general ideas about resources that anybody anywhere could tap into because most colleges or universities will have these. Um, and the one that I wanted to talk about most was mental health counseling services. Most schools will have some form of mental health counseling for free or mm-hmm. at a very, very reduced price. Um, 
And it's important that you don't have to be in crisis. Yeah. I think a lot of people see mental health as like you have a breakdown and then you go to get counseling for it. And counseling is better for when you're having a tough time, but uh, you you could be doing better. Um, it's 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 not it's you don't have to wait until that breaking point. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think all of us have used the counseling center on um, our campus. I, I know I have. I have. I have. Yeah. So. And it's not something to be down, shameful yeah, of, let's break right? Down some of that stigma over it. Yes. Um, that probably a lot of the people in your department, both graduate students mm-hmm. and professors, and probably a lot of people higher up in, in the university all go to uh, uh, counseling or have at some point of their life. Mm-hmm. It is a stressful we... time. Like yeah. you are managing a stressful time. You're doing stuff. I have to constantly remind myself like part of getting a PhD is doing stuff that has not been done before, right? Yeah. So it is difficult doing that. And it's overwhelming. And uh there's a lot of stressors Mm -hmm. i know i was i feel even now that i'm finished with it and i'm on to my full-time employment like i still feel as though i have the the wake up in the middle of the night stressing about what i didn't do on the dissertation and then i have to remind myself oh wait i did it because i feel like i'm still in this constant flight mode of constantly having to do and sometimes just talking to a third party about uh, what you're going through and coming up with some strategies and stuff, that's really, really important and it's really helpful. Mm-hmm. So let's break down the stigmas because therapy is great for grad students. Yeah. <laughs> totally. It's, it's great for everyone. It but, is. But it's especially poignant for us. We've all we've all seen the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. Kristen, what resources did you uh, bring, to the, bring to our discussion? Okay, I have two big ones. Um, the first one is Zotero or EndNote. Have you, do you guys use either one of these? I don't. I probably should. What, Zach? Um, yeah. So just citation software in general. I use yeah. EndNote, which our university provides through uh, an enterprise license. Zotero is free, right? Zotero is free. So basically, it's a resource manager. And when you uh, you can put your books in there. And as you're writing a paper, like in Word or whatever you're using, you can hit insert citation, which is really great. What's nice that I did, especially when I was taking comprehensive exams, is I put all of the books that I used in there. I attached all of the notes to those citation links. So I had like everything in one place. And then as I was writing, you can easily put that, you know, insert in text and then it auto populates the bibliography for you. That function has saved me <laughs> hours. Yes. Hours no, totally. I wish I had used one. Some, oh my God. Some journals require, you know, one format, other journals require another format, dissertation requires another format again. And all you got to do is just drop down one drop down menu changes and then you just. Yeah. So if you want to put something in a different format really quick, it like can do the whole entire paper. It auto populates everything. One change of one of your citations, it auto populates. It's uh, same. It's it saved hours probably during my comprehensive exams to like just quickly put that in. And then having my notes attached was also really great. I do really wish that I had used a um, citation software because from the time I started writing my dissertation to the time I concluded, um, the citation style I was using came out with a new edition. Oh and my so God. I did have to manually do that. Don't so, be like Rachel. Don't be like Rachel. 
and use a, use some software, please. Yeah, and for Zotero, personally, I I've used in both of them. I've used in I've used both of them, <laughs> um, but I like Zotero a little bit better for me because a lot of the things that I find are like um, for my work is like downloading blogs and downloading YouTube videos and things like that, and it has a web clipper that auto populates all the way down, which is really great. Uh, my second one is backing up your computer, backing up your files, either on external hard drive. I have one in the, I'm paranoid about it. Maybe I go overkill. I have one at home. I have one hidden in the my office. Do not break in and steal it. Uh, it's like my whole entire life, which Rachel, if you had backed up this episode, <laughs> we wouldn't have had to redo it. <laughs> yeah, I had I I don't think that Google Drive was attached to my internet or connected to my internet when I was finishing up the outline for this episode. And lo and behold, when we went to begin, it was where it was two days ago. So I learned a lesson today. Thanks, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> That's not shade. It sounds like I'm being super shady. I know. Learners, oh, you're going, you're definitely going to always encounter at least one person in your life who's had some sort of catastrophic loss. Oh my gosh. And I, I lost all of my stuff from undergraduate and my master's program um, when I accidentally overwrite, overwrote my external hard drive. I was trying to do something else. I still have my thesis. Um, but these days now, I have the external hard drive and I have a cloud backup. So, okay. We are both like. If you could see us right now, Kristen and I are like cringing. Oh, man. Oh, my God. I, I can't did have imagine. a lot of stuff that I had like emailed to other people that I was able to say. That's good. But that is good. Oh, my God. And um, that's okay. It, you know, I'm a better writer now, so I, sometimes I would go back to those older writings like, oh, man, what was I saying? Well, right before I came to graduate school, I there was some college, it was probably one of the Ivy Leagues, I don't really remember which one, I want to say it's Duke, but I'm not really sure, um, where a graduate student had had his computer or something stolen and like took out like a full page ad in the student paper that was like, please, you can have the computer, I just need the data, it's my entire life. It was like this horrible story, and I'm like... I never want to be in that situation. So save, save often, figure out how to use a cloud, use external hard drives. I'm kind of a little bit paranoid about it. Oh my God, we could do a whole episode about that. But <laughs> yeah. That, that would be to be continued episode of just stories of people who have lost data. Oh my God. <laughs> so my other, my other resource too that I, I, I brought to talk about today, uh, I think plays into both of the ones that you talked about. And I, I just wanted to say that IT is your friend. Totally. Get to know your uh, your school's IT website and the resources that they provide. Um, typically, I mean, not every school will do EndNote, but typically you'll find things like Microsoft Office. Yeah. Which, if you go to buy it on your own, uh, is is like 150 bucks for a student license, and often schools will have it for free or at a highly discounted price. Um, I know a lot of schools will offer. Um, you know, whatever, whatever sort of uh, programs they have. So if they have a graphic design program at the school, mm -hmm. then you'll probably be able to get the Adobe Creative Suite uh, for free or highly reduced price. I, I don't know if anybody uses the Creative Suite. Uh, it's great for uh, podcasting and uh, website design. <laughs> Again, Adobe, reach out to us. We could show you some sponsors. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so definitely be sure to explore your, your school's IT um, 
IT website for, for all that they offer before you go and buy things that you think you'll need for the program. Oh, stats packages. We've used a lot of stats packages, haven't we, Kristen? We have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My resources, um, so the first one, I'm going to admit, I didn't know about until I started working there as a graduate student tutor. But my first one is the Campus Writing Center. And uh, this may be di- called different things on different campuses, but generally every campus has some kind of writing resource for students. And most are also available to graduate and professional students. Um, and I didn't know that until I was hired as a writing intensive tutor. Sorry, Rachel and Aaron. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was. I wish I had known about that earlier because as graduate students, I think we have idea that we already know how to write, we already know how to formulate sentences, we already know how to make our subjects and our verbs agree, but that's not the only part of writing. It's about creating good practices while writing, it's about learning how to actually revise your work and how having just having another person who is not the author read your work and give you feedback and go through it with you is just so important. And so I wish that I had started going to the writing center earlier. Did either of you use it while no, you were here? I didn't, I didn't use it. And I, I like what you're saying because, you know, when you get to graduate school, you you really get the lesson that, like, so much of writing is actually editing. Uh-huh. And to have a resource of someone who's willing to edit is really important. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know they did graduate students. I thought it was just for undergrads. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about, like, the, the like copy editing or anything like that, though there are usually people in town, wherever you are, or online that you can find to do that. But it's just having someone there to help you uh, say what you're actually trying to say. Because mm-hmm. that's what I would say to my, stu- my students. I would tutor all the time. Let's, let's make sure the paper is saying what you're actually wanting to say and the argument that you're actually making versus what you think it is. Because it's all about writing for your reader, as well. Right. Yeah. Knowing your audience becomes that much more important. That much more important <laughs> it really because does. you. Well, we can. We'll have another episode about. Yeah, we, we should. We already did have an episode about writing. Yeah. So maybe we could have another one. I think we could break that one down a bit. My other resource is the professor is in. Do either of you follow the professor is in? Oh yes. I do not. Oh my God, Zach! Zach! God. So the professor is in. Where have you been? Um, is also on Facebook, but also started as a. Uh, blog, it's a blog. Um, mm-hmm. and there are books now um, but it's just really wonderful um, resources and advice and some humor about academia and um, working as either a graduate student or a faculty member and I mean when I went on my first interview I remember you know saying what is the professors in what, what do they say about um, dress or interview mm-hmm. questions, or how to prepare for that first on campus. And uh, that was really, really helpful. Yeah, and it's, it's a great resource. It's ran by Dr. Karen Kelsey. And so she is a person who was in academics, I think, for mm-hmm. like a very long time. And then has left uh, and is just a service that can help has a bunch of resources that help you kind of manage like what sections should be in your CV, what should you put mm-hmm. how to how to manage all that. Her advice is so great. I it's highly really recommend wonderful. it. Yep. And there's blog posts mm-hmm. on pretty much everything you could think of as an academic question. And she just came out with a book. Did you see that? Yes, I did. I'm very excited for it. So, Zach, you need to check it out. I will have to. I mean, <laughs> there are a lot of, like, academic-related sites that I frequent. Lego Grad Student is one. Oh, totally. my gosh. I love Lego Grad Student. It's, impo- it's important to know that other people are going through the same thing that you mm-hmm. are and uh, that some of them think it's best represented in Legos. 
Yeah, or yeah, PhD but, Comics. PhD Comics is That's great. a good one, too. Um, so real. But yeah, like, sites like The Professor is in, there's other depots, there's, you know, even our discipline-specific for me and Kristen, we have, um, you know, sociological images, um, the sociological cinema, uh, lots, lots of different ones that are great, you know, great for discipline-specific stuff like teaching, but it's good to know, you know, uh, I, I had to write a CV, uh, or update my CV this year, I had to write a million cover letters for all the jobs I applied to. It would be great to, to check those out for, you know, the next time I go on the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of those online resources are great. And it's okay to start Googling questions you have, right? <laughs> yeah. You might as well use the technology that the world has given us. Well, I don't use Google. I use, I use DuckDuckGo. You would. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so Google, Google, I mean, they save your search terms and they know what you've searched for forever. DuckDuckGo does not save anything, so it doesn't advertise to you specific things. Okay. Speaking of advertisements. Yeah, our uh, our episode is also brought to you by Summer Vacation. Are you excited to work from a new climate? Does the hotel have a business center? What's the Wi-Fi password? Your summers will never be the same as an academic. Boy, don't you feel rested? <laughs> What's a vacation? I yeah, know, no right? Joke. Summer vacation. So this week, I let Zach talk me into chopping wood for our self-care segment. Oh my gosh. Tell me all about it. Oh my gosh. I mean, I liked it. I did really well. My first try, I chopped a piece of wood. It didn't happen again the entire time we tried, but it worked out at first. Well, why don't we go ahead and listen to that, and then uh, we'll come back and talk about it some more. So Kristen and I are out here today in my backyard, and what are we going to do? Apparently we're chopping wood. Yeah, have you ever chopped wood before? Absolutely not. And how do you how do you feel about it? <laughs> I so when I was little, I wanted to get stitches really bad, and like as an adult, I see how foolish that is, and this feels like my childhood wish could come true. So I'm really oh, Jesus. okay. Scared well, about this. Well, let's uh, let's make sure you don't get stitches. Okay, I'll you... show you how this works. First. Okay, okay, I'm going to stand back. Place, uh, okay. Actually, I want you to stand close so you, you're in between the, that and the mic. It will not It will not hurt you, I, I promise you. Um, okay. But, so, the key is to actually swing it as hard as you can. The, the, if you miss, then that you, then you miss and you just try again. You also want to stand with both of your feet um, square um, and perpendicular to the log and you want to take the, the axe, and as you go forward, slide your hand down. Uh, okay. the, your dominant hand will push it forward and then slide down towards the base where your other hand is so that you're, you're pushing the axe away from you um, and not you know down towards your feet. You want to push it, push it away from you. So, oh my god. So it's just oh one, one smooth motion. It's kind of like, imagine swinging a baseball bat, but, you know, but as you're swinging, you're just you're you're starting with way choked up and then going down to the end. Okay, so, okay, okay. So you just you just go in one fell swoop, and it, they break apart. And if I I didn't successfully break it apart because I wasn't <laughs> swinging hard enough. 
so let's let's do another one and I'll show you. But yeah, okay. I do the, I okay. do this all the time. It's great physical activity. Hitting things is fun. Oh my god. Well, I'm I not feel doing like I good. need to start with like a like a stick. Yeah. Like something very. There we go. That broke. Something very like. So let's start out with this small piece for you. Um, you want to come over here and try it? Oh my god, I'm like, I'm like really afraid of this. Like, how hard do I do it? As hard as you want. Uh, I might have to be a little closer. Oh, ah! first try. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Next. Next one. There you go. Okay. Okay. There you go. Okay. Well, that was you a know, mess. You know, beginner's luck. There you go. One more shot. Okay. Oh. Well, what? all right. Time, One more time. time. Take two. Yeah, yeah. And uh, try starting out uh, choked up a little higher with your this hand. Uh, hand. Yeah, that oh, hand. Okay, okay. And then you get more control and you'll get the hand, better hand. I think hand. I gotta get closer. Oh, okay. okay, hold it there. Don't move. Partial split. Okay, do I you hold just it? leave leave it in yeah. there and you take a sledgehammer to it. Bam. Holy shit. Stuff. Whoa. <laughs> it's okay to curse. Oh man. So you wanna take any of this home and, and burn it in a fire pit or something? You have uh a, I don't have a fire pit. For uh I don't own, I'm a renter. I feel like starting fires in one's backyard. While normal in Missouri is frowned upon in an apartment complex. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, you could take a stick for Leo or something. So. Oh, oh yeah, 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 totally. All right, so would you would you do it again? I think I would, and yeah. I never in a million years would say that. Do not send this to my father because I'm sure he would be <laughs> so thrilled. But no, yeah, I think I would. Chop wood. Chop wood. <laughs> Kristen the lumberjack. Good job. <laughs> oh my gosh. So <laughs> is chopping wood really self-care for you, Zach? <laughs> yeah, I mean some like if you have a, a tough frustrating day or something, some people would punch a punching bag. Um, you know, it's just, it's hitting things in a productive way. Yeah, I guess um, you get to burn it then too, right? Some people yeah, find yeah, burning I, it really I, fun. I, uh, <laughs> have a, I had a wood stove, um, I'm moving out of that place, but I have had a wood stove and a fire pit, so it's always good to have some firewood around. Awesome, that sounded yeah. fun. Yeah, Kristen, I have a question that I didn't ask you when we did that. Um, <laughs> okay. Why did you want to get stitches? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. I feel like every, I mean, I was reading books as a kid, I mean... I'm sure it's not a big stretch that you can imagine that. It just seemed like everybody else was doing like more dangerous stuff. And like you'd come to school and somebody would be like, look, I broke my arm or something cool. And I just was like, oh, I want to be dangerous. But I didn't have like the gusto to be dangerous. Oh. Okay. So I've never had stitches. So now you've done something really dangerous. Totally. Swinging an axe outside. What are you, crazy? I mean, like, we could totally get a med student to come over here and give you stitches if you really want Like wanted. practice. That's all I need. <laughs> Yeah, so, so if this if this uh, academics 
doesn't work out, I can be a lumberjack, I guess. I, like, look really good in flannel. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You would totally, totally. look good in some flannel. You. you know, give me some suspenders. Hold those yeah. pants up while you're lumberjacking. Give you a beaver skin or beaver fur cap. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Mm-hmm. And Zach was nice enough to tell a colleague of ours that I chopped the wood that he gave to him. And so... He sent me a message. He's like, thank you for chopping all this wood. I was like, okay, I chopped two pieces. But Zach's kind. Aw. Well, that sounded fun. <laughs> I was kind of sad I wasn't there. Next time. Next time. So thank you all for listening. Uh, we're new to this, and we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us on social media to post questions and add comments. If you have any ideas for future episodes, please let us know. And until next time, keep on surviving. <laughs>